0: Hey there! Welcome to A Woman's Sacred Truth, a podcast where we are going to explore some uncomfortable and often even painful experiences, but also the joy and satisfaction that comes from moving beyond what has hurt us as we reach new levels in our life, which feels like, honestly, the best thing ever. Oh boy. Okay, so this first recording Um, This first conversation was literally the very first conversation that I had ever recorded and it's with Rachel and so I'm just so happy that you get to meet her and hear her extraordinary story and all the things that she has been through. It's pretty mind-blowing and she is living to tell the tale of it all, which is also pretty extraordinary. Truly, this podcast episode, um, it it could have been two. I mean, honestly, I could have done three separate conversations with her around three very distinct topics, but we kind of jammed it all into one. (laughs) So I think it's around the 30-minute mark is when we really kind of shift gears into a whole new topic, but it's all Rachel. And so I'm just so happy that you get to hear her truth and her story and what she has learned Because someone like her, the way that she shares what she's learned through the depths of all her own experiences, it's just, it's unbelievable wisdom. It's unbelievable. And it's so good. And it's medicine. And she's just beautiful. So I'm so glad that you're here and that you're tuning in. And, you know, it's amazing. Rachel was, um, you know, we met like three years ago and I think it was about the second time that we talked and I knew in that moment that I would have a podcast and that she would be my first guest. And so it's pretty magical that this has come to be and here we are and here you are with us and so enjoy. Let's just start at the beginning, we'll just dive right in. And for those of you listening, just so you know, Rachel lives in the U.S., and that's about all the information you really need to know, right? Just that your background, you know, growing up in the U.S. But why don't you share with us, Rachel, just a little bit about your childhood and those initial formative experiences of yours and just some of the things that you went through in your early days, now that we know, because you're 37, how that has um, affected you and shaped you.
1: I don't know if it would be helpful, but you and I met three years ago, just to give people a little background on Tom Yen and I know one another. Started working together three years ago. I went through your True Light program, which was incredible, partly because the narrative I had about my youth, like the story I told myself about what my childhood was like, was actually sort of out of sync with what the experience that my body had gone through. What I mean to say is, I remember so distinctly one of our sessions and talking together when we honed in on a few experiences I'd had with a family member who was very dear to me um, and also one of my caretakers. And I was telling the story Of what happened, like, oh yeah, well, this happened, and she said this, and I said this. And I was like, and that, you know, that was hard. And you were like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, (laughs) what? That's just one conversation that we had. And that conversation, really understanding that at that age, to hear language about my body, to hear language about what was good. And what was bad about my body, what was good and what was bad about my impulses, I hadn't understood how formative that had been and how traumatizing that had been. I just thought this person was right. Naturally. That there was something wrong with my body and that it needed to be fixed.
0: Absolutely. And let's, let's just kind of drop this in so someone listening can understand that what kind of initially brought us together was the fact that you had been (sighs) struggling with an eating disorder when you were younger, and then eventually ended up having cancer and had come through all of that. And here you were in your like, I guess, early thirties, mid thirties or whatever. And knowing that you needed some like reconciling of all of these things, right? And 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 healing and understanding around it all, I believe, right? And there was like a spiritual link that all of a sudden it was like, you were drawn to me and you knew that you kind of had these still some knots or blind spots or whatever to make sense of all of these things that you'd been through. And kind of, I think, coming to a... I feel like now it was like a deeper acceptance or understanding or place of love within yourself that you knew you'd kind of like been through the, the, the fire of it all, the intensity of the physical nature of it all. But now there was like this spiritual healing that kind of needed to kind of land in your being To What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, man. And I started talking when I was 34 and One of Mian's angels found me on Instagram because I had been poking around at the sober community, not having seen your page necessarily. But I think whatever the, however the angels work, they were like, "Oh, if you're curious about sobriety, you might want to chat with Mian because I was very desperate to fix my drinking, and that's the language I want to use from that point three years ago, because I felt so in its, in its grip, I both felt that I desperately needed alcohol in order to have access to magic and warmth Mm -hmm. and love. Um, and as a way to find and love and I knew it was wreaking havoc on my physical health. Um, And I was scared of how badly I I felt I needed it. So you and I started working together. And in your asking me to start talking through my childhood, you made the connection that a lot of women who have suffered from bulimia find themselves then having to navigate alcohol abuse.
0: As they get into their 20s and 30s, for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I had not necessarily made that connection for myself. And in working with you, I was like, oh, Mm. wait Mm -hmm. a
0: minute.
1: (laughs) This thing, me drinking.
0: One is socially acceptable and one is not. So once we become adults, generally, some women do carry the, you know, the disordered eating a little further into their 20s and 30s, but a lot of women then just switch gears into booze.
1: Well, and mine hadn't even switched gears. I was really impressive because I could manage both. (laughs) I didn't even switch gears. It was like, I was not, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, And I'm a triple threat even because I also had colon cancer. So it's like colon cancer, eating disorder, drinking drinking. And now having done the work and continuing to do the work over the last three years, it is so abundantly clear how these things are all interconnected. But it wasn't when I started working with you, it felt very much like, God, I'm bad. And there's one more thing about me, I need to fix, I need to fix the fact that I'm not a regular kind of drinker.
0: And so when we first met, to me, it wasn't like the drinking was just like the last of of my concerns with you, because it, it seemed like it at the time, it seemed like it was actually something that was pretty light happening in your world. Right. It was the fact that I think you were only like a year cancer free, something like that. Yeah. And then for me. As a human wanting the best for you, it was like, okay, my number one priority with you, because just so you know, this is what it was, was to make sure that whatever kind of tension and and self-hatred, self-loathing that you were feeling inside of your body, which was directly linked to the the initial eating disordered behavior, right? When you were like 11, when that started, I knew that that was the most important thing. So I never, you know, even um, was coming from a place of, let's just work on shedding, releasing the grip of the alcohol and bringing you into a deeper place of self-love. First and foremost, for me, it was really just like, okay, let, let's let sort out this inner tension and and restriction and controlling tendencies that you had, because, you know, cancer is a real thing that you got to make sure that someone is is dropping into a more um, loving, relaxed state inside of their being, which I knew was directly linked to that initial programming, right? Those initial experiences that you had in your home as a little kid right and the drinking was just like the band-aid that you were still trying to slap on but I knew that that would eventually fall away which is why we've been chatting again in these last few weeks to kind of like almost tidy up those last little bits of like feeling unloved for women for sure and I know this from personal experience like once we get into our 30s it's like whatever remnants of of our childhood where we're not feeling fully loved and fully accepted just as we are and so that's when we dropped into that core wound of yours feeling rejected in some way knowing that that's why alcohol was kind of starting to slip back in again because it's such a a, well it's a lie but like when we reach for that alcohol and we go and we have a drink and then another drink and the next day another one it's like we're just grasping for love it's just a cry for love every single time, in my opinion, right? Just fill me with that sense of wholeness, which is the feeling of love in my being, right? And so having to do that all on our own, right? Welcome in our own love.
1: Yeah.
0: It's been such an amazing journey for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, ugh, I, I, one that has consumed um, the majority of my time on earth so far. I had this experience of, um, growing up in a home where, where we weren't really hugged or touched and where we also deliberately weren't told I love you. Um, and I think that that was some wounded misinformation that my parents had gotten from their parents about, well, we don't want to say it because then that kind of diminishes its value. And so I grew up, in an environment where I felt cared for and respected and appreciated, but where I didn't get warm fuzzies because I didn't get any words of affirmation like "I love you" and I, I wasn't getting snuggled, um, and so I learned really early on. Oh, but food makes me feel warm mm-hmm. and full. Yeah, just that little
0: thing you just said there. It's this energy of restriction. We're gonna restrict. The caregivers, parents, grandparents, this is just how it was done for survival. Scarcity. It's scarcity and it's 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 a way to survive that they deemed the best way to survive, right? Is to behave this way, think this way, act this way. But there's a lot of restrictions, right? And so that restricted energy of like withholding and things are tight and, you know, this, this, that energy of restriction, that was just like, you know, it was just putting your Inner world into a straight jacket. That's what it felt like for you. Yeah. And you just wanting to feel filled with love and warmth and goodness, as most children do, especially sensitive women. (laughs) Fill me up, right? Fill me up with love. Fill me up with the hugs. Fill me up with something, right? Allow me to just expand and breathe and feel full because that makes you feel warm and lovely, right? Those warm fuzzies, which we all love as children. And when you don't get that and you got restriction, naturally, you figured out a wonderful way that works initially to manipulate food and play with all of that.
1: Well, and that's the thing. I mean, the the word restriction, I learned restriction so thoroughly. And I also learned that if I restricted, if I restricted the food, if I restricted my emotional reactions, if I stayed small, I got more love. So that meaning I got praise for looking a certain way. I got the attention of girls and boys in school all of a sudden. If I stayed small, I got at least some doses of love that I was looking for. And when I was big, it felt like a barren wasteland. So I learned at that time of my life, you'd better keep yourself small because if you are not it's a life without love physically yeah
0: yeah yeah i must be this size literally
1: yeah i must be this size and behaviorally i would say like i you know i was i'm an actor i'm i'm not acting anymore but i'm an actor i'm a singer i'm a big giant feeler and in the environment i was in as a child that was also way too much for The people I was around. So it was really clear that the roadmap to success growing up was being as thin and beautiful as I could and being very behaviorally compliant.
0: You did such a good job at following the rules and becoming restricted and doing all the things that you were told you were supposed to do and be and look like and right to succeed. And you were manipulating food and dealing with that. Which is heartbreaking, right? This whole time, it's just soul crushing, but you're actually getting the results that, you know, your parents and caregivers and et cetera are telling you you need to do. And then eventually, the toll that this takes on your inner body physically, holding on to those restrictions and tension and the negative chatter, right? Because of all that you know, in my opinion, that's exactly what led to your type of cancer that you ended up having to deal with.
1: Well, and I think that that is part of the truth, you know, restricting was part of my experience, but ultimately what I, what I struggled with most severely was bulimia. And the thing about bulimia is that there's so much shame. There's, there's, this sort of understood hierarchy in the eating disorder world that anorexics are worthy and disciplined and that there's almost this ethereal hyper discipline and superiority and bulimics are the ones who can't do it. And so to be a bulimic, there's this hierarchy and to be bulimic is failing. You are failing at restricting because you just have to be able to have some food or you have to be able to feel the warm, good feeling. But then you understand that the warm, good feeling is ultimately going to make you fat. So you have to throw it up. And for the way that I was bulimic, because it felt like the only way to keep myself thin enough to be loved. So I was stuck, right? I'm stuck because I have to eat food. And food is where I feel love. And if I eat food, I will get bigger. And then like, I'm just so trapped for, for decades. And what that, the havoc that that wreaks internally on your digestive system, there's just no way, there's no way that it is not a part of, certainly a part of the environment in which cancer was able to flourish.
0: Yeah, you're not allowing your body to just be and do what it's designed to be and do. You're literally fighting it (laughs) every day.
1: The other day when you and I spoke, you said, um, so Rachel, I really thought with you that the drinking was like a Saturday night thing, maybe occasionally. You said, what, what changed that you felt like you were struggling with it again? And I said, um, no, I just didn't tell you the truth.
0: That did surprise me. That, that I, I'm not going to lie. That did surprise me.
1: I've been reflecting on that a lot because the phrase, um, you are going to be as sick as your secrets. And here's here's the insight I had that was really helpful for me. When you have an eating disorder, you understand that it has to be a secret. It is your shameful and or prideful secret because your parents or the people around you need to believe that you are quote unquote better because otherwise they're, they're terrified and miserable. So I learned that everything went easier. If I told everyone I was better and acted like I was better and kept my struggle very, very private because I didn't want the embarrassment. I didn't want anyone saying anything. I didn't want anyone worrying. I just wanted people out of my private business. I wanted people out of my suffering. Here's the thing. I experienced bulimia for so long and I've been recovered for about three years now, which is amazing. But lying about my behavior was so normal and ingrained in me that I've I've only realized in the last few months what it feels like to not be lying a little bit all the time. And it's not because I wanted to be someone who was deceitful or hurtful. It's just that lying about my personal habits was so constant and normal for for so many years that it's taken me a while to realize what it feels like when you're not lying anymore.
0: Well, from the beginning of, I think, your memories as a child, Again, it's this this um, programming that, you know, directly being told that you must alter or change or fix, uh, you know, to fit into whatever kind of box or standard that, right, that you were being told that you must. And so your direct messaging has always been from, like I said, I think from your earliest memories is... There's obviously something about me that cannot be accepted, right? I cannot fully be accepted with these people that love me, that are caring for me, um, and I love them. And so I think that little piece there, I love that this is coming up right now of, so now you've got a little bit of a story still that you've realized in this last little while that you continue to then... Have a piece of you or a part of you that you will always kind of like, that you're almost like happy to tuck away in the closet and hide because that's what love felt like for you. That I always have to have a piece of me, a part of me, you know, something about me must always be hidden or kept in the closet, kept dark, kept quiet. And that is like the foundation that you grew up in that I always have to have a part of me. So for you now, to fully express and fully share everything and all of you and just truly putting it like out there, that means that you have come to a place where you're finally ready now for you. It doesn't matter what anybody else likes or doesn't like or says or doesn't, you know, says change this dude it's like whatever that's your opinion that's fine right that's just your projection and your opinions and judgment it doesn't even matter anymore i'm finally ready now to love all of me warts and all like it's just who i am and it's what i've done to cope right and to self soothe and this is just the best i've been doing because everybody's doing their best always always and so if this has just been my best then I need to now love all of me. <laughs> the parts even that I'm like, Ugh, I kind of wish that wasn't a part of my story or a part of my behaviors. It's okay because we really all have been doing our best. And that's why we did it, just to cope and feel better and feel good. So let's love all of those icky parts and not judge them, right? And not deem them as bad or less than or whatever or where on the hierarchy of... <laughs> you know, oh, I use this coping strategy instead of that one. That was still my best. So how about I just love it and not rank it or judge it. It's all beautiful because it's all a part of you. All of it. So this is coming to this place of acceptance. And so even just recently as this summer, this, you know, just a few months ago for you to, to share with me that actually I'm drinking too much. Like I'm back in that place, right? Even though we did all of that other work, and so to come to this place now, and this is where you're finally ready now to welcome in and accept your fully all of your own love, all the dark icky bits, all the wonderful parts, but all of it, my whole story, my whole experience, no matter what.
1: And there's such a um, peace to be found in in that acceptance. Something else that occurred to me after we'd spoken most recently, we were talking about, um, you know, love and where we get it, or maybe where we didn't get it. And I was thinking about, I thought about cancer as something so often, um, so people know I had stage three colon cancer that then metastasized to my liver and was stage four. And if you don't know anything about cancer, there are only four stages of cancer. And the numbers for with stage four are are bad they're bad and I am in living defiance of those statistics and very grateful for it but here's what I want to say about some awareness I've had about cancer recently I've thought of cancer as the thought I brought upon myself through my sins here's another thing I realized recently though I I have never felt more loved and cherished from my family than when I got cancer. And if the universe needed me to feel all of the giant, juicy, desperate love that my family has for me, they couldn't, the universe couldn't have handed me something that gave me more constant Reassurance that I was so needed and so cherished and so loved and so worth fighting for. So, like, holy cow! Wow, it's such a gift. I, I, I'm so uncomfortable.
0: It's like you got everything you had ever wanted and needed.
1: Isn't that a terrible thing to say out loud? No, (gasps) it's the truth. Here's the thing: I fucking hate cancer. I mean, it's. It was so incredibly awful and so hard for my family, for my young children, for my husband, for my parents, for me. I mean, it was horrific. It's horrific. So the word gift is something I have trouble with. And undeniably, what I have in the wake of cancer as a survivor now is a life That is so much fuller than the one I had before cancer showed up. It's the yes. And it's the like, yeah, it's horrific. And now I get to go through the rest of my life. Yeah.
0: Well, within, within everything, there is good and bad, or there really is no good or bad. There's no matter what someone goes through and you've just proved it there's going to be something good that comes out of it, no matter how horrible and horrific, because I've heard some of the worst things you could ever imagine. And yet, we learn things, we come to a whole nother place, because we face things that people most people can never face. And so there are gifts that come out of even the most horrific, horrible, you know, um, near death, whatever, right? So wow, you receive something through that that you had always yearned for and deserved. And it took that for the people that love you to finally give you the fullness of their love and attention and acceptance, right? For you to feel it and and for it to really like land into your depths. And that's when we first met, you know, had you'd come out of and come through all that, right? Like, I want to go into this because you've faced something that, like literally look death in the eyes and most people live their whole lives fearing death but never look it in the eyes right face to face and yet everyone's walking around with all these fears which underneath everyone's fear whether it's fear of failure fear excess fear of success fear of whatever your fears happen to be um the real fear underneath that is like i'm gonna die fear of death right it's every human being's fear and so here you are face-to-face, eye-to-eye, with it. And how, like, I know that this has been one of the most, and this is why I love talking with you, because you have insight and, like, visceral experience with living through death. It's just, it's so utterly fascinating to me. And I'll just say one more thing, because I was brought not quite face to face with death. At a pretty young age, I was 21 when my dad died suddenly in an accident, just one day, both gone, right? And so death was always um, has always been, in my whole adult life, a very real thing. So I think about it and, and I'm, you know, as much as I can, and, and I feel like I've really moved through it as much as I can. But then when I met you, <laughs> it's like you've been even more intimate with it, right? So I, yeah. How has that played out since in your life, right? In the last few years of, and knowing so many people that also died and.
1: It's changing and has changed a lot, even since you and I first met three years ago. In a lot of ways, it has fucked me up. (laughs) There's there's no other way to say it.
0: Well, that's stage one. It fucks you up. Oh, my God. My early tw- 20s were a shit show.
1: It <laughs> fucked me up. It fucks um, you up. <laughs> and before it fucked me up, there was a stage. I feel like it fucked me up as stage two. <laughs> the first stage is like, holy cow, I'm still alive? I'm going to drink everything. Every day is a party. Every day is a t- an opportunity to wear my nicest dress.
0: Yeah. All I should do is just have extreme fun because any day I'm going to die. That was totally what my early 20s looked like. Yeah.
1: Yes. I'm only, you know, like, I'm I'm only ever going to wear pajamas and say, like, comfy pants ever again. Life's too short for (laughs) jeans. Fuck them.
0: And bras. We don't need bras either.
1: No. Well, fuck those still. (laughs) So I I had this, like, initial wave of, like, which is when I met you, was the wave of gimme, 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 gimme. Give me all the life. I almost, I was so close to not having my life anymore for so long that in in survivorship, and man, it's, it's a binge. I had to binge. I had to binge my own life. And I At that point, you
0: just wanted to like squeeze the juice out of every second.
1: I did. I had to binge my own life because what if, because scarcity, because what if it's gone? What if my cancer comes back again? I have to have had every single flavor of my life possible.
0: Yeah. And I only have how many months? Right. Yeah. And
1: so you binge, I was binging on my own life. Although ironically, for the first time, no longer binging food um, because cancer was such a wake up call for me. Of like, you got to get this in check, sweetheart. You can't. Like the bulimia. Sweetheart. Yeah. Forget that. After the binging phase. And of course they didn't end clearly. It was like the binging phase then entered the, uh oh, I'm fucked up phase. Like all of a sudden I could not get on airplanes without having panic attacks. I still have trouble getting on airplanes. All of a sudden school shootings completely undid me. Like. They were my own children. Like my trauma response to danger was completely out of whack.
0: So it's almost like your fear of death really like gripped you in other ways. You were still just so fearful of death. I mean, getting on a plane is like, it's, you know, it's controlling and you're so afraid that we're going to crash and die. And so your control got really tight.
1: My need to control and my awareness of just my, not awareness, my deep internal knowing of just how quickly it can all be gone. Like you said about your dad, I was gripping, I'm, I was gripping my life so tight, gripping it so tight for fear of losing it, that that was another thing that if I could just pour a glass or a bottle of wine into my vessel the tension and the fear would relax it for a little bit.
0: I must soften and release this tension. Yeah. Yeah. And this is your pattern, right? Is to get so tense and tight and restricted, right? Which then, yeah, controlling behavior, binging behavior. But yeah, it is not a fun place to feel that way in your own body and being and mind. So absolutely, the, the the wine comes back in, right? To soften and soothe that.
1: What is different for me now Is that I'm three years out, little over three years out from finishing treatment the last time. And I, I can feel that I'm starting to trust that I'm in trust of my life in a way I haven't been. Let me put it this way. It felt, it has felt before like my life being ripped away from me was so inevitable were so imminent that I couldn't afford to loosen up my grip a little bit. And so I would have to pour wine into myself in order to get some relief from the tension because I just did not believe that I was going to live. I'm still here. And I can afford to let go a little bit. And so the, the need for artificial relief has lessened but now i have to feel all of the feelings of recognizing i have no control over any of this surrender is something i'm not great at and having to learn
0: it's one of the greatest delusions <laughs> right to actually enjoy and be in the present moment because there are no guarantees whether it's you know being hit by a bus tomorrow or you know cancer in 2 years like nothing's guaranteed here So the most incredible way to honor your life and experience today in this moment is to relax. And especially as a woman, to surrender into the flow of all the feelings, all the moments, all the glimmers, all the experiences, and actually fully feel it all. That's the gift of today. But with clarity, right? With deep presence, and then of course allowing that that movement of love to be exchanged with yourself from the divine or with yourself and another person or yourself and your like natural surroundings but to be communing with complete presence and clarity that is the ultimate gift of this day that we have today because yeah there are no guarantees that you'll get another day to enjoy it so to escape it and numb from it or to force that softening because wine kind of like or alcohol you know it forces that um softening and relaxed state for like the first hour you get that kind of sweet spot but then it's all just fucking you know ridiculousness after that right and and disconnection and what we all want is deeper connection every human being we want connection connection with whether it's just nature or our people or ourselves our own love our own experience that's what we are all craving more of deeper more beautiful juicy connection right and so it's always starts with our own body and our own being and allowing ourselves and for you specifically right can I soften or relax the tension and feel into right every bit of my being my bigness my boldness my expression my you know whatever naturally wants to just come from you and how you just naturally want to radiate and be with no restrictions and complete acceptance and then have the courage to be with it all and not escape it or run from it in any way and to feel it all but ultimately to like love it all, whatever your experience is. And that's the fullness that you've been craving, yearning all along. And just to be so in that moment, right?
1: I hear a contradiction though in my mind. I bet you do. <laughs> when I hear you talk about fullness, here's the thing. I, I would be very interested in fullness if all of it was great. <laughs> what my experience now is, and that I, that I'm not so sure about, I'm not so sure about this fullness thing, man, like 50% of it is so, feels so terrible. The, the part where I am fully awake to the suffering of the people around me or my own suffering, I feel it cellularly and it is excruciating god i don't know like i'm i'm not quite convinced yet that this is better what i am convinced of is that it is the only way i'll stay alive for a long long time
0: and that's okay if it's excruciating it can be excruciating and physically or emotionally you know painful and it's all part of the experience of being a human And to find a way to just embrace the fullness of the whole spectrum of feeling without judging it as good or bad, right?
1: But so here's a question then, like the other, when we were talking a couple of weeks ago and you were like, I'm hung up on this thing. And you were like, it's time for this thing to go away. Clearly some part of you was going, I don't want to be fully in here with this part, with this thought. We want to be able to pick and choose what gets to to be present with us. And we want to tell some thoughts and some feelings. We don't get to be here anymore. And yet that is counter to what being full and fully allowing is. So I guess the question is like, if each of us is going to both recognize that showing up fully is the gig, of life, right? Like this is it. And we are also always to be bumping into feelings and thoughts that we just don't want to deal with. How do we figure out what we allow in with open arms and what we say, you don't get to be here.
0: Mm. Yes. Sometimes we do have distracting things that just are on repeat in our mind, um, maybe pulling us from our priorities. And that's what I was dealing with a couple of weeks ago. And then sometimes it's like, there's painful stuff. That's a part of who we are that, you know, deep down, it just keeps like almost recycling because it's, it's wanting to be seen and it fully accepted and embraced and then loved. That's kind of the, I would say the little difference there is like, yeah, is this taking away from my life? Or is this like, is this a distraction? Where is it? Is this a priority in my life? And we always know, or is this something that I'm literally just beating up myself within myself, right? Some sort of, you know, quote, negative (sighs) chat or, you know, chitter chatter or belief, or because there's a part of me that is always wanting to punish myself or, You know, and then we sabotage ourselves, which is really ultimately just a form of protection from the pain, right? Emotional, physical pain. It's a, yeah. And so becoming as an adult, we really need to strive to become masters of our minds, where we are so savvy at witnessing our thoughts, being discerning. Does this need to kind of like, you know, no, you can, you can exit my mind because I don't even know why I'm thinking about this, right? Or cleaning up how we think about ourselves or others, right? If we're dropping into, you know, judgment and shame stories, which are all lies, we need to just be observing all of those thoughts going on in the mind and just discerning, like, do I want this to stay in here this way? Or should I, do I want to clean this up and bring in a little love around it? Or is it asking me to accept a little more here or there so that I can, you know, ultimately relax a little bit more in my being. Therefore, then I can be more open and heart-centered in my relationships and experiences with myself and others. Because I don't know about you, but that feels like the sweet spot of life for me. That's when I'm kind of just naturally happiest to use a, you know, kind of a bit of a lame term, but because <laughs> it is. <laughs> you know, just more in the more in the flow and always coming from more of a place of of love rather than fear and grasping or restricting or some sort of fear-based place, right? So just being really good at Witnessing and observing our own mental chitter chatter and deciding, I like this. I want to, you know, you know, shape that up a little bit. Where can I bring in a little more love here? A little more positive, you know, positive kind of things that I want going through my mind, all in an effort so that as I move forward in my life, because this is where we're going, right? We're all moving forward every day. That's just how life works. And so I don't want to be on a hamster wheel going round and round and round. Same, 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 same in three years from now or three months from now, just like, oh, repeat? Same? What? No. So you got to get off that hamster wheel. (laughs) And so if we have recycling thoughts that we know don't really move us forward very well in our lives, so this is, you know, forward focused having a, a, a priorities in your life or a vision for your life right and making sure that how you think and feel they're actually like lining up with that and so you're moving forward in your life so when you do become you know your next age it's like oh there you get a little sense of like i like the direction of my life i want to be aiming somewhat upwards and forward and so we have to be watching and, and be careful around what we allow ourselves to think and feel. And if it keeps coming up, it, it definitely wants to be seen, right? Reconciled, healed, more love brought into it or more understanding, right? And
1: acceptance. It does. I think what it makes me aware of is that the true soul-centered part of me speaks differently. Then you use the word chitter chatter. Like mm-hmm. when fear is talking, it's incessant, it's higher pitched, it happens more in my brain and I hear it up in my head. When truth is talking, it's just a deep, gentle ringing. Yeah. They sound different and they come from different places. Here's the thing that I want to say about. The ringing, though, I think we will often put lots of blocks in between ourselves and our truth if we know we can't afford to handle the truth yet. So maybe an example for me um, would be for the last few years, my truth was saying, go home. You need to leave where you are. You've you've got to go home. But that was wildly inconvenient because I lived on the other side of the country. (laughs) (laughs) And I knew I would be disappointing so many people. I knew it would mean uprooting our family again. It was something I was going to have to convince. It was so inconvenient. My truth was so inconvenient that for a long time, I kept, I kept going like, no, 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 no. Can't, can't hear you until any time I tell my truth to be quiet, my chatter voices turn the volume up and play even more frequently.
0: And so we just have to honor all of that, right? You
1: have to eventually go, okay, shit, here's the undeniable truth that I have. What do I have to do Line myself and my life up with that truth, and that's hard. Maybe, maybe you come. To, maybe you have a truth like that about a relationship that you're in. Maybe you have a truth like that about who, even who you. I've heard women talk about going like, "Uh-oh, turns out I'm gay, and I'm married to this man." Like that's a tricky truth, but it's a truthy truth, and you have to kind of reorient your entire life around that these these knowings that
0: the soul is always guiding us it's always guiding us and can we feel into that place within our being and essence and and listen and move with it regardless of what the noises in our mind are saying right and whose voices are they anyways right what program what story where did that even come from and i don't have to buy into any of those stories
1: anybody who's thinking about these things knows that we come into the world with nothing but our truth voice. And then the world gets its hands on us. And we start learning that we have to prioritize other people's voices over our truth voice in order to survive. You know, as kids, we can't, we have to learn to trust and obey our parents before we even listen to our own bodies you know, in terms of like, don't cross the street and it's survival. And so the unpacking that I think we as women have to do is unearthing that truth voice because mine, my truth voice was so whittled by others. And then I became the whittler that only in like putting down my tools and saying, I'm going to stop trying to control you now. What do you actually have to say? And it took a long time for me to hear and learn when that part of me was speaking. Because I was just so used to obeying the messaging that had been programmed in me.
0: Well, you didn't literally didn't feel safe in your own body to follow your own like cues. As children, we have to follow, we have to fit in with our immediate family first and foremost. And then as we get a little bit older, it's what is society, friends, TV, you know, all that, you know, also telling us that we must, because if we don't fit in and follow these programs that are, we're being told and sold we're gonna like be shunned and die and be all alone. And we're, we're programmed for connection. So if we're going to be connecting and be loved and accepted, I have to follow all of these, you know, storylines or, you know, standards or whatever, but it's like, it's all just fucking made up. (laughs) And so this is the beauty of finally being an adult when you can take total ownership over your reality And be the person that wants to come, actually come through, right? So the ultimate, I feel like the ultimate game that we're playing, it's just with ourselves. And do we have the courage to completely love and accept all, first of all, all the ways that we contorted (laughs) and tried and effort or shrunk or criticized ourselves or all the things. First, you have to accept all of that, that you were like, wow, I bought into all this stuff and just kind of, you know, feels like I made a little bit of a mess of myself for a while, right? And then, like I said, having the courage to explore and express and then become and move into, and yeah, I'm going to use that word with you, our fullness so that we can Especially as women, then you know, be those kind of radiant beings that we were literally designed and born to be. So, fullness of energy. I don't want to have a full belly. It feels gross when I eat too much. Like, that doesn't, I'm uncomfortable when I'm physically full. I don't mean that. (laughs) Not that. Like, that's uncomfortable. I mean the fullness of my
1: being. No, I know, but I, I hang up around that word. Like, the word fullness itself is like the back of my tongue. I want to like rub the back of my tongue. Like, yeah,
0: you do. Because you feel it as a, as a physical thing. I'm talking about it as a being thing. The energy of your being. How are you being? Are you being the fullest expression of yourself? Or are you restricting yourself? Or being controlled by some story?
1: my discomfort with the word fullness is not just physical. That's what I'm noticing right now. It is that I still have a lot of belief in my, in me that if I were to be fully, fully full, I would blow everyone out of my work.
0: Woo! Get this woman on a stage. (laughs) Blow us all away.
1: But the thing is, I don't want, the irony, of course, is that all, all that the giant in the story wants is for people to come hug it. But when it goes over to people, everyone's terrified and it runs away. That is very much one of the parts of me that I have still a lot of wounding around is the story that I tell myself that is my fullness frightens people. And in fact, all that I want is connection and love. So don't scare people. You need to do the opposite. You need to draw people in.
0: Who first, or where did, where do you have a memory or a feeling of actually like scaring someone away with your fullness? Where did you get that message that it's, it's too much to, to be that way, share that brighter version of yourself? Um, or is it just a made-up fear? Do you actually have the experience of that happening and someone rejecting you? It
1: would be, I mean, there are a number of things come to mind. I mean, immediately the first thing that comes to mind is is walking, walking up the steps on the school bus in seventh grade and walking down the aisle and the boys in the back going, oh, here comes the Jolly Green Giant. Wow. Or like being called the beast in high school because I had really big, curly hair and I was big.
0: How tall are you again? 5'10"?
1: I'm I'm 5'9". So being called the beast, being, being called the jolly green giant, understanding in the environment of my home or my extended family that I was the one who sucked all the energy out of the room because I was so loud and I had so many questions or I was demanding. And it's just like, God, there's just too much of me. There's too much of me is the messaging. I feel like I just kept getting handed over and over again from the outside world.
0: So being rejected by some random kids, it's an unfortunate reality. Kids are cruel. It's just part of the, the you know, pack formation and hierarchy that all adolescents go through. It's like a normal, natural part of, you know, growth, the pecking order and all those kinds of things and poking you know, pointing out to other kids that are different in some way, like it's, it's natural and it's normal. It's just survival. Right. And yeah, unfortunately, you know, I think almost all kids at some point go through something like that. But then of course, those experiences you had played in perfectly with your storyline, with your, from your home life as well. Right. So you were also getting that messaging from home that you should be more restricted in your size and everything about you, right. Shrink restrict that kind of thing. And then these kids say those things. I mean, oof, right? And so now as an adult, it's our job to truly though, like just, it's all just someone else's projection with their negative, whatever, whatever, you know, you're different or whatever. Okay. That's great. Yep. I am. And so now as an adult though, to fully embrace and accept, I am taller. I am bigger. I am more this, more that, more whatever than others. This is my gift. So it's not a negative. And I would say that this is so much a part of every human being's journey through their life is to accept what their most painful pieces from their childhood were of where it was just like, never, never, never. Like, I don't ever want to feel that. I don't ever want to have that happen And yet then you come full circle into your adulthood, into your mature, like, this is who I am. And I'm going to be all of it. Like, that is like one of the biggest goals in any human being's life. So what you are experiencing in your childhood, those like rejections from people, you're too much, you're too this, you're too that, like, Because what they were really giving you was the clear information that you are actually supposed to be bigger, bolder, more bright, more this, more that. I am one of those people that is meant to stand out and be fully expressed or fully like I'm just meant to. And so these were all indicators for you, right? That's why they like they really pinched or you know hurt you that back then. So for me. I have to share this with you because one of my most, all of my most shrinking, painful moments as a child was, um, believe it or not, was when I had to speak (laughs) publicly or, or like with a microphone or anything like that. Like there was nothing more horrific than like having like my name called and having to like say something, and like literally here I am today now with this big ass fucking microphone, (laughs) like in my sweet spot, because I've moved through these fears of speaking and like being on a video or holding a microphone, not in front of a a small group, but intimately. So it was these intimate um, moments in my childhood. And yes, at school, they get exacerbated, right? Because it's like, I would be mortified when the spotlight got put on me or I had to speak or like, here's a microphone, like, I couldn't have imagined, like, literally, those are my most horrifying memories of my childhood. I would be beat red, and I would literally just want to slither out of my skin and be removed from the earth. <laughs> and yet, here I am. But this is what I mean, like, what that was highlighting for me with these horrible, horrible moments. Like, I still, like, I. it just, like I said, I just want to fully cringe at that poor little girl Um and now here i am full circle because what that was sh- telling me was this is like a like a like a fear spot right this is there's something shadowy dark painful this and that and yet why is this such a big deal for me because there's something within this or there's something beneath it or behind it or somehow those moments that we have in our childhood that are you know for you it was like i'm being rejected by it, right and it's like wow, I must fully move into full acceptance of my brightness. And I'm going to fucking blind you all with my (laughs) brightness, fullness, radiance, whatever it is like, that is truly who you are born to be. So I love that we're talking. And there was no question for me when I first met you. I think it was like on our second conversation, like those years ago, I knew in that moment that this moment would be happening Mm -hmm. because your light needs to be brighter and shine more and share more and be bigger and bolder and all the things. And I knew that I needed to be with a microphone and sharing my voice and being in the spotlight this way, right? Even if, yeah, I know there's only going to be three people listening, but whatever. So what I mean is in our greatest pain, in our most mortifying moments Why does it hurt us so much or mortify us or, you know, embarrass us or whatever? Like you just want to shrivel up and fucking disappear because in those painful moments is our greatest gold that can come from that. That's why it's happening to us in the first place because you're never going to forget it. So there must be something in there that needs to be birthed through it
1: the thing I heard myself say when I just said, um, you know, that I'm too much, that there's too much of me. And then the, the quiet, that quiet ringing voice that we were talking about earlier for the, I hadn't heard this ever before this, the voice said for whom you're too much for whom.
0: Exactly. Those stupid boys at school, please. Well,
1: and I mean, for me, (laughs) it was like, I'd always been taught you will get, Love when someone falls in love with you. That's when you'll feel like you're loved and that's when you'll have enough. So it wasn't just the stupid boys at school. That was my whole, that was gonna be my only access point to feeling loved was if someone fell in love with me and chose me. Because those are the people who got kissed. Those are the people who got hugged.
0: They confirmed the story you'd been told.
1: Right. But the part of me now that's saying like, well, what if I'm too much? And the part goes, yeah, but for whom are you too much? And it's only for the people who, I'm still scared of because I know that they're what it is is that they're not enough for me exactly. It is not that I am too much for them, although I might be.
0: Yeah, it's that yeah,
1: God, you're just not enough for me.
0: <laughs> that's their loss. <laws. laughs> I am wanting to expand. and so I know as I expand in whatever form and right, I then be you know, kind of enter that next level. Of my existence, of my life. And guess what? There are people there who will meet me at that level with that expanded consciousness and love and embrace me at that level, right? Because there's always another level of expansion. And, you know, that's why we want to be getting in line with that aiming up kind of energy, that forward movement kind of energy where growth and evolution is just naturally occurring. And we want to be in alignment with that. And not playing down on those other levels where where there's just more people um, coming from a place of survival, negativity, fear. It's like, mm, I never really fit there. I'm going to go to this more expanded level and let's see who's playing the game of life up there. Sounds more fun. Sounds more free. Feels more free.
1: It feels very much to me like not just going up because any tree that is going to grow up needs to also be growing down and out. And for me, it's going closer and closer to the truth mm. feels like a down thing. Love that. It feels like a sinking and like a rootedness. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That's how it is for, especially for women. It is descending our energy or being or awareness into the more profound regions in our body heart womb and then yeah connecting literally with the energy of mother earth right to root us right into yeah all that is real and true into our truth so that then we can flourish in whatever way we are just born to so let me i'm going to ask you a couple of questions now I would love for you to share. <laughs> so, cause we're right. It's like the perfect uh, segue into this. So share with me. So take a minute or a moment just to like, take a breath here. Cause I want you to just now either remember when or imagine into, but share with us when or where do you experience the greatest sense of freedom?
1: I have two weird answers that surprised me in water and in a kitchen.
0: Mm. So like water, like the ocean? No,
1: no, no. I don't fuck with the ocean. The ocean's terrifying. There is no freedom in there. You will get eaten in the ocean. (laughs) But in rivers and lakes and swimming pools and bathtubs. Absolutely.
0: That's where you experience your greatest sense of freedom. Just being connected with water.
1: In the kitchen, I think it's because... I feel kind of like an octopus with eight different tentacles and I can make things and I can create things and I can nourish both myself and I can smell things. And I, so in the kitchen and in water.
0: And this is food related. So this is a big deal for you. Totally. Food is love. That's amazing. That makes me so happy to hear that for you with the kitchen and the creating food, because it's, I mean, you're feeding your family now, right? You've got kids and that's really beautiful to hear that that it's a a place of freedom for you now after everything that you've right so you've come to a place of loving all of it that it is nurturing and it is loving and it's not a source of restriction or pain or suffering right <gasps> that's beautiful no wonder that okay next question how or with whom do you feel the the fullest sense of love in your being
1: what feels true is that I have different people in my life, with whom different parts of me feel the most at home. But that actually, when I feel the deepest sense of love, I am alone, and I am in nature. Or I am alone, and I am in my clean house. (laughs) yes uh, spoken like a true perfectionist <laughs> but i'm alone i'm alone and i'm thinking about all the people there is a
0: deep satisfaction i am not gonna lie when you're in your clean the beautiful home alone it's like really oh you know yeah because it's the outer is always a reflection of the inner and when your home has you know it's fully been cleaned and everything's just like ah. Uh, it's like, oh, there's alignment there, right? The outer is aligned with the beauty of the inner, right? I, I, I do really love that. But what else I love is when you've said you're, you said know, you're in nature. When you're like out in nature and it's just like you're in this beautiful spot, oh my God. And again, you're alone, so it's quiet, right? And you're communing with the divine, right? Like that is church to me. And it, yeah, it's totally the fullest sense of love in my being. Like I just start to cry sometimes. It, it's like ridiculous. I mean it's not ridiculous it's 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 absolutely wonderful. Oh, 100%. It it moves me to tears when I've got no distractions because I'm alone. It's
1: miraculous.
0: <laughs> We're so like and this last one in the infinity of life where you are what do you know for sure what is your sacred truth Rachel?
1: That we matter. That the universal we that all of it matters. And I don't know if that's where God shows up, when the, our ability to stop explaining and understanding nature, and then where does God, and it's God is in all of it, of course, but what I know is that this matters. I don't know why or to whom, but it does. It, it, it matters so tenderly and thoroughly, and so it just feels so important to keep showing up and keep listening. That's what I know.
0: I love that. We matter because yeah, just one person thinks there and then feels and behaves affects us all. So it does matter.
1: Yeah. And it also means that what a radical thing to have no ambition past loving as many things as well as you can, what that does, what the, the ripples of that 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 is that is ambition enough. Yeah, that's what I got. That's what I got right now, anyway. No,
0: I like that. There's something simple yet very vast about that. It's not frivolous,
1: and it's deeply personal. What happens to one happens to all, and so it just keeps coming. In. So it, it, it so it all matters so much. From you know peak joy to to the depths of despair and all of the mundane and silly, wonderful in between.
0: Because we're all just holding each other, right? Like we're all just like this one little family.
1: The poet Rumi, who I love, says, We're all just walking each other home.
0: Amen. That is the truest to true, right there. Yeah, we are. So a little more um, tenderness. <laughs> With each other, hey, and but again, most importantly, with ourselves first, so that we can bring it to someone else. Because if there's turmoil or anything going on inside of you, then that's actually what you're bringing to someone else. So if we all just cleaned up a little bit on our side of the street, just like that, yeah, we can easily walk someone else home and have the kinds of connections and holding that's needed we all matter we certainly do i love you woman thank you
1: i love you thank you thank you for being here with me
0: wow oh my goodness isn't she amazing rachel oh rachel's sacred truth please leave some comments here or questions or anything that you want to hear more about because the truth is i would love to sit down with her again to do another recording to go a little deeper on some other areas that uh that you want to hear about um because her wisdom is is just beyond and the way that she can articulate um how she feels about all of these experiences that she went through which uh you know it's just it's gold it's gold to listen to her um and hear her truth so Thank you for tuning in to a woman's sacred truth. I'll have another episode up next week, but uh, please share this with anyone you think needs to hear some of this story. Um, Share it on Instagram, tag me if you like all the links are down below and, and we'll connect with you next week.